uh, Vigo's video, whatever the hell his name is. Vigo. Uh, we're gonna make him the... That's not the part you pronounced wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what is it, Morganston? Hello, Hellions. Welcome back to Who the Hell is This For? New to the pod? Find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, or iTunes by searching Who the Hell is This For? and subscribe to get us downloaded directly to your phone every week. If you want to keep up with what we're doing in between episodes, you can find us at WTHITFPod on Twitter. Want us to review a movie you like? Leave a review on iTunes and send a screenshot, and we'll review one movie of your choice. We've taken long enough here. Let's get started. What did we watch? You oh, <laughs> I think you do this now. Okay. Because I did it for upgrade. All right. Sounds good. All right. Welcome, guys, to episode seven, our Michael Bishop episode of Who the Hell is This For? Oh, I'm like, <laughs> I thought it was a Wesley Anderson. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, what the hell? Did I watch the wrong movie? I'm, I'm living in the past with K-State. Did right you now. mean Michael Bay? <laughs> oh, you watched... You watched the Grand Budapest Hotel. You actually watched Grand Budapest Hotel. <laughs> too Grand, Too Furious. <laughs> All right, but yeah, no. Um, so we reviewed a suggestion from Jack, uh, friend of the pod, follower on Twitter. He suggested a Wes Anderson movie, and the winner of our poll was Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, but which be- I think it actually is the Grand Budapest Hotel. No, you're right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was joking earlier. Okay. Respect the the. Yeah, yeah, because it's way down on your library. Yeah. John Carpenter's Grand Budapest that. Hotel, presented by Wes Anderson. <laughs> um, so first, before we get into that, though, uh, what have we been watching since we last talked? Ooh. Okay, let's see here. Well, I just watched the Grand Budapest Hotel. Okay, see how it came. Too soon. I'm gonna. Leave. I'm gonna leave. Oh man, shortest episode yet. Um, I feel like I just watched watched a bunch of stuff. Um, I just watched Spider Man Homecoming. Ooh, okay. Again, <laughs> and oh man, I feel like there was another movie that I watched. Oh well, let's go ahead. I saw um, a Simple Favor. Oh, um, how is it? It was really good. Okay, it's a very um, it's not a different movie from what you see in like the trailers, but it went a different direction than what I was expecting. Okay. Uh, Anna Kendrick is very good in it. Like she's the perfect like she half. Is. <laughs> okay. She's like half just a normal Anna Kendrick character that she is in every movie, mm-hmm. and then she's also like kind of not really this femme fatale, but she plays a good role in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Blake Lively is in it, and Henry Golding, who is the main love interest from Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, oh, okay, also okay. In it, and he, he did a really good job, too. Was he the guy you were talking about for Superman replacement? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. People have talked about him for a Superman replacement. It would be very cool. Yeah, I'd be down for that. Um, since we last talked, I have watched <laughs> The Thing, Green Room, oh my God. from no. Dusk Till Dawn. Uh, I think you mentioned Green Room in our last one. Did I? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, that's in between when we recorded and when I watched Upgrade. Okay. But definitely from since... We recorded last from Dusk Till Dawn, Halloween Town, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, As Above, So Below. Ooh. Yeah. Really fun one. I, I, I like that one this a lot. In a week? Yeah. Trick or Treat. Last Shift. <laughs> it just keeps going. Night of the Virgin, <laughs> Venom, and Grand Budapest Hotel. This is why Riley and I are considered amateurs on this podcast. <laughs> 
Ty has been preparing for this podcast for years. <laughs> it's true. This, <laughs> he's, this in, is like, he's in peak podcast shape. <laughs> I've reached my final form. <laughs> um, but of all of those that I watched, um, really what stood out, I so I watched Night of the Virgin for a weekly horror club that mm-hmm. I do. Um, and shouts out Beer and Fear. Um, I can actually post a link to that on Twitter as well if anybody wants to join that. We watch movies every Thursday. Um October, we're watching a movie every night, which is part of why this list is so expansive. Uh, okay. um, we So we're doing nightly October screenings, but Night of the Virgin is a Spanish, uh, independent Spanish horror movie that is about a guy who is trying to lose his virginity um, on New Year's Eve. And he goes home with a much older woman who then ends up t- being a cultist who mm-hmm. um, is trying to bring about the daughter of ancient goddess and uh it gets real gross real fun it's really extreme i think i know what movie you're talking about just from the amount of gore is there like a scene where it's like shot in like all red lighting is that the movie i'm thinking of i think like cut down somebody's stomach or something that might be a french one oh you're thinking of inside yeah inside also really fun um Another one of those fun foreign French, not French, uh, Neither Virgin is not French, but foreign extreme film. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. But really fun. This one, you see a man give birth. Oh, fuck. I didn't want to spoil that. that. That's an Arnold Schwarzenegger. It is. Wait a minute. Uh, (laughs) Junior. Junior. That's right. The one with Danny Danny DeVito. DeVito. Yeah. Wait, I thought that was twins. No, that's Predator. Oh, right. Where he fights uh, Ivan Drago. No, you're thinking of Demolition Man. (laughs) <laughs> do we have uh, anything else we want to touch I, on i figured out what else i watched uh-huh. i watched the witch oh the yeah movie. The, the bitch yeah the bitch that is one of my <laughs> least favorite things about movie internet discussions is people spelling it with like that no it's it's obviously just supposed to be the witch yeah yeah if you spell it like the that bitch. definitely had to watch it with subtitles though yeah oh those <laughs> I accents started without it, like whoa and old english oh my god yeah man it's it's a really good period piece, though. They capture uh, yeah. that feel really well. Yeah, I thought it was... I mean, it was good, but obviously you heard my thoughts on yeah. the ending. Ty, didn't you see something else this week? Um, are we talking about Venom? Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. Uh, my lovely girlfriend, producer Catherine, and I, we went to go see Venom. Uh, give it a watch. It's dumb, but I had a lot of fun with it. The first half of the movie is terribly written. The dialogue is bad. But then when Eddie gets the symbiote and turns into Venom, it starts to get really fun. Dude, that takes half the movie? Yeah, I'd oh say. Oh my god. I'd say, yeah. Oh my okay, god. Okay, so you had given, before we started the pod, you had given Venom four. What did, Catherine, what did you give it? I rated it a four out of ten. Four out of ten, what did you think? Yeah, producer Catherine gave it a six so out of ten. So it's middle of the road. Yeah, it's, it's a better than any expectation I had going into it. Um, wow. I had okay. more fun with Venom and Eddie, like their interactions. Than I did with anything else in the movie, and it makes me wish I could have gotten that thirty to forty minutes that Tom Hardy said got cut. Um, Maybe we'll get a get an extended version. I would I would like to see an extended cut. Is the it. is the so without giving this too much away, is mm-hmm. the protagonist antagonist battle just between Eddie and Venom, or is there another? No, no there's it there's a big gray. Venom. It's it's a bigger Venom. Yeah, Venom what? versus bigger Venom. Big gray oh, Venom. Yes. Yeah, he's also, well, in the comics, he's more like standard gray but it looked like in the movie he is very like he's char- chrome like charcoaly he's yeah. he's metallic yeah uh, um okay. 
So yeah, I <laughs> Venom. It's it's a dumb fun. It's worth a watch. It's better than Green Lantern. It's better than uh, Ben Affleck Daredevil. Whoa. Well, that's unfair. If you guys yeah, Ben Affleck Daredevil now, I feel like you could. Okay. They would have done it in a better way. It's just aged. It was bad then. And it is it aged terrible. Far better than Catwoman. The Halle yeah. Berry Catwoman. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, producer oh, note from Catherine. Wow. She liked it more than Deadpool. Wow. Uh, the humor, I will say, it had the humor felt more natural than Deadpool, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't constantly in your face. And they are two different approaches to. A similar character, I would say, like, because Venom and Deadpool are both very pretty, like, gnarly characters. If you get into some of their stuff in right. the comics, righteous. Um, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, you know what? Fuck it. It's time to talk about Grand Budapest Hotel. <laughs> and there's where you put in the intro. <laughs> <laughs> so Grand Budapest Hotel. Um. Written and directed by Wes Anderson. Um, I need to pull my notes up. Don't worry, I'll do the plot summary without notes. I'm I am a true professional, but um, I think when talking about writing and directing for Wes Anderson, you also need to talk about Wes Anderson's director of photography, mm-hmm. uh, Robert Yeoman or Yeoman, Y E O M A N. I looked him up, but Yeoman, <laughs> Robert Yeoman. Uh, he, hey dude, he hit Robert. Hey dude, he's been Wes Anderson's director of photography for every movie he's done. Um, and I think he has a lot to um, clearly shows. Yeah. A lot to do with why Wes Anderson has the signature style. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, and we'll get into him a little bit later, but he also needs to be, uh, included when discussing, uh, Wes Anderson. Um, I'm going to go ahead and do the plot summary while I pull up the Rotten Tomatoes stuff, because I did not have that prepared. So, Grand Budapest Hotel is a story within a story within a story. First, it is a... Inception. Because I think there's four times. Present day, 82, 64, and then 32. I missed 32. What was 32? That's that's where the original is. Like, the actual story is in 32. I thought that was in the... Oh, yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. 60s is Jude Law. 60s is Jude Law. 85 is when he's reading in the room. Oh, I forgot about when he's and reading in the room. Is at okay. the grave yeah. for the memorial. The, the Our National Treasure Memorial. Yeah. yeah. He's reading the Grand Budapest Hotel book. All right. Um, producer Catherine has pulled up our, um, our Rotten Tomatoes info while I vamped. Didn't we um, totally skip over the synopsis there? Well, so our format actually lists movie info first and then summary, but I didn't have the movie info pulled up, so oh, then I was going to do the summary. This is really good radio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we are a professional organization. See how the sausage gets made. <laughs> oh. What? Pick another metaphor, then. I know. Well, no. I, I You do peek behind the bathroom. Yeah, I know. Peek behind and the bathroom. So in my, in my head, I heard peek behind the bathrobe and see how the sausage gets made, and that is, does not oh, wow. work. That is... No. That is unsettling. Um, anyway, Rotten Tomatoes score of 91%, audience score of 86 um, That, I mean, that doesn't really surprise me. Wes Anderson is kind of a critic darling at this point. Like, anything he puts out is going to be really, really highly critically rated. And but this is one that I think did have a lot more, um, it was a lot more accessible than some of his other I things. I think it was, uh, yeah. 
I would argue it's better than some of his other ones for sure. Agreed. I was going to say, did you guys ever see Isle of Dogs? I, I did not no. see Isle of Dogs. That's, that's why, that why get, I put it up on the Did that pole. get critical success? Yes. Okay. Um, because I think it's because of his animation. Because of because the of animation, it. and it still had all those hallmarks of like Wes Anderson symmetry and like everything. Quirkiness. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this Edwin made. Norton. This made $56 million, uh at the bo- box office. Yeah. And um, in addition to Wes Anderson, it was co-written by Hugo Guinness. Um, so a little, little bit about this movie, our plot summary here. Um, a woman goes to a grave uh, of a famous author who is uh, Judy Dench. No, Jane Jude Law. Yeah, there we go. go. Judy Dench. <laughs> I knew it wasn't Judy Dench, but I heard Jude, and That's I was like, oh, Judy Dench, yes. <laughs> Dame Jude Law. No, I think the memorial is actually uh, Gustav. See, I thought it was the author's memorial. I think so. That's why they left all the room keys on it. Mm, okay. Anyways. Anyways. Sorry. We clearly... There's a grave, then there's an author, then the young author And there's author a frog is... on the log at the hole at the bottom of the sea. <laughs> <laughs> and the young author is Jude Law, mm-hmm. and he's telling, he's narrating, he's interviewing Gustav and talking to him about the about what the Grand Budapest Hotel was. Am I wrong? That was not Gustav. He was no. Oh, that not was Gustav. Zero. I, zero. Zero. Mustafa. Yeah. 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 So he was talking to Mustafa. There's a lot of USTs in these names. Yeah. It confuses me. Um, <laughs> so he's interviewing Mustafa. Mustafa tells him about his time as a lobby boy at the Grand Budapest Hotel, where he got caught up with uh, Lord Voldemort. Um, Q from yeah. James Bond world. <laughs> uh, Ray Fiennes as um, Gustave. Gustav? M. Gustav. I could Gustav. not Gustav. figure out what his name was. I don't think there's we'll a, just go with Monsieur, Gustav. It's Monsieur Gustav. Yeah. And then there was like an H at the end sometimes. Um, we'll just go with Gustav for the pod. Yeah. So Gustav. Um, talks about how this dude loved to make sure the Grand Budapest was running smoothly and loved to bang old ladies. Yep. Man, because there is an aggressive full frontal (laughs) scene where he has acts being performed on him. Did you catch that? Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, the mirror shot. (laughs) Yeah. Didn't dwell on it. Yeah. I paused it. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's like when you pause on that scene in Airplane. Well, you know, you don't get to see Voldemort's wand all the time. This is true. I'm not engaging. It's with all that. knobby. I'm not engaging. All, with that. You've seen the Elder One. God damn it! <laughs> it's like Toad from Mario Kart. <laughs> Do not ruin Harry Potter for me, guys. Come on. Um, but anyway, so he uh, eventually one of his um, one of his lady callers, uh, she dies after he's been giving uh, Zero the rundown on basically just taking him under his wing. And becoming the next, uh, like, becoming the next Gustav. So she dies. He gets left his in her will. Um, the boy holding apple, a famous painting worth a ton of money. Um, her very homophobic family uh, gets <laughs> very aggressive towards him. Adrian Brody throwing out a lot of words I didn't expect to hear from Adrian Brody. Yep. Um, but really to hear in a Wes Anderson movie, like, he... I feel like this was one of his like edgier things, even though it's very whimsical. Uh-huh, well, I want to touch yeah. on that later. Yeah, for um, sure. And so it's eventually he gets framed for the murder. Uh, Gustav does. And it's the story of him getting broken out, them getting the painting, clearing his name, 
and then eventually how the Grand Budapest went to zero. And then he finishes up his story talking to Jude Law, and then Jude Law finishes writing his book when he's an old, old man, um, or reading his book when he's an old, old man, and then the little girl finishes, the little girl the finishes reading the book at the memorial. Did I get everything? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Major beats. A synopsis. Major beats, yeah. yeah. Wow, it's almost like that this is what that part of the pod is. Yeah. So, what did you guys think the movie did well? Well, obviously, cinematography. Yeah. Um, but also, I think a part with that, you have to like, uh, what's his name, Yeoman's style of cinematography. Yes. If you don't like the everything and the, you know, everything straight-lined... Mm-hmm. If you, you don't find like, it annoying, I guess, but I yeah. personally, like as a photographer, I love it. Yeah. If you don't like what is essentially a stage play made into a movie, yeah, then you're not going to enjoy it. Right. Well, I mean, and, and Anderson has a very specific style, and so if you've seen any of his movies, you kind of know what to expect. Mm-hmm. I would say there are very few people who, like, saw a preview for this, and I don't know. Like, I feel like there's a, you either like it or you don't. Like, you either think it's great cinematography and you love it and everything mm-hmm. that he's done or you don't. Yeah, I don't want to get into it because we're going to talk about it later, but I think that's what makes Who the Hell Is This For was really yeah. hard to This was about. really hard for me, yeah. yeah. I had like, a couple comments. A lot of the movies I was thinking of were just other Wes Anderson movies. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's something else that this, this movie does well, and I'm interested to see what you guys think about this. So, uh... I know it can be a lazy narrative device, but I'm a sucker for good narration mm-hmm. in yeah. movies. So in, And Julon doesn't narrate the whole movie. He only narrates mm-hmm. like a portion of it. But, and then Mustafa narrates. Right, and Mustafa narrates, yeah. And so I like, I like when narration is used as kind of purely a setup. Like mm-hmm. to like set up the world, especially if it's mm-hmm. got like multiple layers to it, right. and then it lets the film kind of go on its own. Yeah. Versus like, I mean, I still like narration in like Shawshank, but like Shawshank is like spoon feeding what's going right. on, yeah. to, right? So it's very different. It style. more this more sets up the scene. Yeah. Like what, how you said, it's it's almost like a play in front of you. Right. It does a good job of setting up the scene, setting the scene, and then letting it go. Like so. Yeah, definitely. Right. Um, something I really liked, uh, there, and a lot of people, this could fall into something they don't like because it can really pull you out, but you're not, you're not watching a Wes Anderson movie for how immersed you are in it. You're watching it because it's a production. Mm -hmm. Like his whole, my, my point that I'm getting at is his whole cast of actors. Uh, like the whole Wes Anderson troupe is in here. Uh, Jason Schwartzman, Ed Norton, um, Owen Wilson, Bill Murray, I'm trying to think if there are any others that he uses that were in um, here. Who's in this already? Bill Murray. What's Paul his name? Um, I can't. I had to look it up last night because I couldn't think of it. Uh, the guy that plays Norman Osborn. Willem Dafoe. Yeah, Willem Dafoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a couple of guys who play. Oh, Adrian other... Brody too. Yeah, Adrian Brody. There's a couple of guys who play the different, um, uh, like. Society of the Crossed Keys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the guy with the beard is in Darjeeling Limited. Uh, the one of the guys with glasses. Um, I think he was in Tenenbaum. So I'm thinking of yeah. So then there's a couple other people that I rec- I don't know their names, mm-hmm. but, but I yeah, recognize for them sure. The way he uses. I did have a note. Are Wes Anderson films the last great ensemble films? Because most of the ensemble films that like are recent are like action ensemble the expendables yeah the expendables yeah. but like fast uh, and furious the avengers 
Uh, okay, that's true. I'm going to call it Avengers if you, Ensemble. If you say, okay, so if we do non... Assemble. Okay. Avengers Ensemble. Uh, if we say non, <laughs> if we say non-superhero movies, because superhero movies are a little bit different in that, like, uh-huh. it's purely the same character. Oh, okay. Well, so I've got, I've got, um, and see, he still even, hasn't even been as active, but Nolan. Um, Christopher Nolan movies yep. are like use a lot just of the same not, people. Probably not as not to the scale of Wes Anderson, but he does use a lot, a lot of the same people. Yeah, one I think it's it speaks to the power of like like obviously the guy that plays Scarecrow. Yeah, um, uh, Cillian Murphy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's cool. Like I know some people don't like it, and they're like, "Oh, it's Wes Anderson," so like I'm definitely going to see Bill Murray in this movie. I'm yeah. definitely going to see one of the Wilson brothers in this movie. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of like it. I think if there's something like. It's not for everybody, but I kind of uh-huh. like it in that um, you also can see that like Judd Apatow does the same thing. Like he has a lot of the same yeah, yeah, movies. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Sandler for years, oh, yeah. even yeah. prior to like Netflix. Adam Sandler, there yeah. was like Rob Schneider was in everything, David mm-hmm. Sage was in everything. So I think it can be kind of cool to see people who have like done really well with each other in the past, like continue to get to do, if not the same relationship, mm-hmm. get to do something like kind of similar in another movie. Um, I also really liked Ray Fine's performance. Oh man, he was awesome. Um, what a treasure! What yeah. a national treasure that guy is. <laughs> He's not actually American, but whatever. He's yeah. a national treasure. Um, two he, as well. I really liked his <laughs> <Not> the number, <laughs> <laughs> motherfucker. Um, his portrayal of like being very proper, but also being like he was a pretty vulgar dude too. Oh yeah, which that was one of the things I really loved about this mm-hmm. movie is. The way that they used, like, cussing mm-hmm. or, you know, words like that. Yeah. How it almost, like, the whole mood, like, stops and then they throw in, like, a fuck or yeah. a shit. Or, like, when he suddenly talks about how he beat the shit out of the other guy in jail. Yeah. yeah. Like, and then it just goes right back to being whimsical. Yeah, and if you take the Wes Anderson... other men darling. Yeah. yeah. Calling himself a great beauty. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I like that a lot. And if you take the kind of getting at Riley's point, um, how it kind of breaks that mood. If you take the Wes Anderson whimsy out of this, it's a dark fucking yeah, movie. Yeah, that, that was another one of the notes I had was, uh, yeah, if you don't, like, step back and, like, think about the story you're watching, mm-hmm. it, you'll just get caught up in, you know, the cinematography and the colors and all the music. Mm-hmm. And But really, the story is, like, insane. Yeah, and it's, like, you know, assassinations, like, affairs... Nazis. Oh, I had a note that like if you took like yes, it's got lots of whimsy and the the conversations have lots of whimsy uh-huh. too. But even if you just took the music out and put in like very serious music mm-hmm. behind it, I think this would be a very different film. Yeah, like, the tone would be very different. Actually, I feel like the style of directing and um, the way things are set up. If you guys have even seen trailers for The Lobster or The Killing of a Sacred Deer. I've seen The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Yeah. yeah. it's. I feel like it's what that is. It's the Wes Anderson kind of almost whimsy fairy tale, but very dark and serious and somber. Like a little bit of wooden dialogue, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. I had a lot of fun with, with just the way certain scenes played out. And then just the, all right, we have to do this. Shot of them doing it. Okay, we did this. Yeah. Which I would hate yeah. in any other movie other than Wes Anderson. Right. Just because it is those little beats. Are you, are you M. Gustav? Yeah. <laughs> yes, goddammit. And the the shootout scene at the end. Uh, it was still, like, very whimsical. Uh-huh. Like, 
Well, people I, are just I love popping out of the doors. I like, really with their love, love how that scene starts because he's just like, where's boy with apple? And it just like pauses. He's not your goddamn business. <laughs> like, <laughs> like across the lobby. Yeah. And then like Ed Norton just, just God damn it. Everyone's under arrest. <laughs> um, I liked, I liked that a lot. Uh, is there anything you guys didn't really like in this movie? Can I have one more thing I like? Yes. Okay, so there's a line. I'm just trying to keep us moving. Yeah, yeah, There's a line. So after Adrian Brody calls him something homophobic, I think he calls him a fruit. And then he says, how's that supposed yeah, to make well, me feel? well, how's that supposed to make me feel? <laughs> well, That's my favorite line in the movie. <laughs> that, and I really liked the, like, when Adrian Brody throws a slur at him and then says if he ever laid a finger on his mother uh, that he'd kill him, and he's just like, well, if I am what you accuse me of, then clearly you have nothing to worry about. Like, just <laughs> yeah. a lot of fun writing there, like that. There was oh. another one where he's hanging off the cliff, and he's about to fall, <laughs> and Zero body checks the dude, like, flying off the cliff, and, uh, and <laughs> just, you he's like, him. holy fuck, you got him! <laughs> I was rolling uh, when, I was wa- when I saw that part, which kind of leads me into something I didn't really like, that whole sequence prior to that scene mm-hmm. was bad. Yeah. The the ski chase was mm-hmm. awful. And probably one of my least favorite things Wes Anderson has done. Just like because of the way it's shot, like it looks very like I not amateurish, but it's like very stop motiony old well, camera that, thing. No, I didn't mind that. <laughs> no, that didn't bother me. It was I think I don't know, I think just using a chase scene uh-huh. that way just didn't fit the movie i don't think and i feel like what wes Anderson like it felt out of place for wes anderson um because he had like some of the shots where like the overhead shots Mm -hmm. and the like side shots where they just go through the flags but the the like front facing or rear facing from the front of the sled of just their faces in the wind for extended periods of time i didn't like that at all had you cut that out and it just been like one top-down thing, like, down the mountain. I think it would have been really... Yeah, I think it would have been a lot funnier had they just done top-down the mountain and it had been, like, maybe a one- or two-second thing. Yeah. And they're at the bottom. Exactly. Because, um, like we were talking about, the way he does, like, brevity in some of those shots of, like, okay, here's the thing, here's the thing, yeah. and here's the, uh, here's the resolution to that. Like, when they're breaking out and they're just, like, digging, and then mm-hmm. they're like, all right, and we're out! <laughs> yeah. Um, so that just kind of felt out of place for me. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Um, I don't think I disliked that as much as, as you guys did, but I definitely see what you're saying. I do think that there had to be some kind of, because of how dangerous the guy was, I think Mm -hmm. they had to do some kind of drawn out thing, but I I do see where if they would have done the chase short and then he's just at the cliff and they Uh still did all that length, I think that could have still worked. Yeah. I'm trying to think if I really have anything else. It toward... I wasn't a huge fan of the slurs. Yeah, it and like I got why it was done. Yeah. But I wasn't a huge fan of it. It took me out and it's like like come on man. Yeah, I mean cuz the movie is still made in mm-hmm. 2014 so yeah. Um ah. and like yeah. I get he was doing it to like show you how shitty how like yeah this is obviously the evil family yeah like everybody in this family sucks but at the same time like if they didn't use those words they still could easily 
figured that out. Yeah, exactly. They're like, they're <laughs> essentially mustache twirling villains. Like, yeah. Adrian, like Brody Adrian pretty much is. Yeah, he, he was about to tie somebody to the railroad tracks. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I, so uh, I had a question with that. Where um, do you feel like him calling him a a fruit would be considered like like if you just had that in there, or did you did that take you out of it too? Not as much as the other one. No, because that I think. I was just so caught off guard by it. Yeah. I wasn't expecting to hear it. Yeah. Um, and like, obviously, you know, art is art and it's not like, you know, I'm not trying to censor anything. And I think it served the movie well, but it did. It made me much more like, I can't show this to as many people as I would like. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Like it really limits. It, did, it does make you just like, you know, you're watching like, like oh, <laughs> Do one of those. Yeah, not and not necessarily the reaction you want. Yeah. But it does, I think it does kind of lend itself to that element of this is a dark story. Right. And like yeah. everybody is pretty much like, they're all pretty bad people other than uh, Zero. Yeah. Yeah. Zero and Agatha. I don't have much else. Parts I can't of it. think of anything else. Parts of it kind of dragged just because it was allowing for more shots, uh, like, more trademark Wes Anderson shots. Mm -hmm. I feel like we've been following his career long enough. Like, he's made enough movies. Like, we get it. Mm -hmm. We we know we know your style. So mm -hmm. I think it could have done without some of those and had more of the story, which was such a fun story. I thought that at the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. I thought that they could have gotten into it much faster. Yeah. And I get, I get why. But, like, I don't think... You could have just had... Jude Law. Yeah, I think that, that's yes. what I had in my notes was yeah. the the four time jumps yeah. didn't really. Yeah, do and anything. I I agree with that. But also, kind of thinking back, um, Life Aquatic is a lot like that too, and Life Aquatic takes a while to get moving. Right. Um, well, which is kind of my critique of Life Aquatic mm -hmm. too. I think that might actually just be Wes Anderson because now that I'm thinking about like Royal Tenenbaums takes a bit to get moving. Darjeeling Limited takes half of the movie to get yeah, going. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I also think, so So I will say this, I think both of those movies are journey movies in mm -hmm. that, like, but, like, the meat of this story, yeah, like, it's cool that, you know, Zero ends up owning the hotel and it was bequeathed to him mm -hmm. and, like, I get all that stuff, too. But I still feel like but this is even the this, additional two layers, right. the additional two layers added nothing to the story. Yeah. Like, just have old Jude Law with the book. Like, give him a beard, make him old Jude Law. That's it. Like, that's all mm, you need. Yeah. You cut out, what, five minutes of the movie? Which mm -hmm. actually doesn't seem like that long. But, mm. like, it, it would just, would get you through the yeah, important Yeah, you jump right faster. into the, the actual story. Yeah. But. For sure. As far as I can think, that's really all I had yeah, for... That, Things that didn't do well for me. Yeah. Um, do you stand out scenes? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, do you have a stand out scene you want to do first? Sure. Now, we just kind of talked about the bad parts of the scene, but the reading of the will scene, I think, was my favorite scene. <laughs> it was scene. very good. Like, minus, even with that, the issues. minus that part, but because it has the favorite line you talked about. Where, that <laughs> how is that supposed to make me feel? <laughs> and then you get, like, Three straight Wes Anderson punches. Yes, the signature straight on. Yes, I loved that. And then also and then our first Goldblum. appearance of Jeff Goldblum, yeah. just being Jeff Goldblum, not really in character, just like every other movie. <laughs> um, but then what? 
when they're at the same at the castle or mansion, whatever mm-hmm. part of that, I tied that into the same scene. Then when yeah, when they're looking at boy with apple and they pause and Zero looks over and they just start looking at each other, realizing that they should just steal it. <laughs> I thought was incredible. <laughs> yeah, that I I totally agree with that. The um the funeral scene was really fun, especially because you had Jeff Goldblum. He slowed down because everybody things happen very fast in this movie, mm-hmm. and Jeff Goldblum just oh yeah well uh, 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 yes uh, and now we'll, uh, oh but there's more to the will oh oh how about that and yeah. just being very Jeff Goldblum with it yeah and it gives that scene a lot of time to breathe. There's a lot of good reactions from everybody in mm-hmm. the family, everybody in the crowd, um, and then you bring in uh, Zero and Gustav. What about you, Jeff? My favorite scene is when he says goodbye to Tilda Swinton and he's interviewing Zero as they're walking through the hotel. Yes. So the reason it's uh, my yeah. favorite is you get to see, like, the first, like, one, you get to see the first thing of, like, Zero being, like, kind of this new, like, very young, mm-hmm. very inexperienced lobby boy. And then the annoyance of Ray Fine's character uh-huh. of Gustave. Who um, is just like, I don't have time for this shit. And like, keeps going through. But then it's also your first introduction to how the rest of the hotel looks. Yeah. And so... um, That set was amazing. Yes. So you go from... Which this is the only part of the time jump that I like. Is that they show like the decrepit old hotel. And then you go right into like the Mm -hmm. new pink. You know, like the whole thing with the rest of the hotel. And that was really cool. You get to see him talking to all the people. And directing stuff where to go. And that's the first time you really see... Like, who Gustav the character is. Yeah. Because you can see how, like, proficient he is and everything that he's doing. How he does kind of control mm-hmm. everything. Um, also, like, the colors in that. Yes. So, like, the first time they go into the elevator uh-huh. and Ray Fiennes always sits and the other two guys are standing and they're all in purple and then it's got the orange elevator. That's yeah. my favorite shot of the movie. Okay. Um, so, my standout scene, I really like all of that and it kind of plays into mine. Um my standout scene was what I mentioned earlier, um, the climax of the movie, where it's, um, one, once everything has been redone with, like, the ZZ, like, the SS oh, yeah. Um, yeah. regalia, and Adrian Brody is full-on, like, Nazi mustache-twirling villain, mm-hmm. uh, just marching around, um, trying to get the painting back, and one, when they're running around, it gives you a lot of that set. Uh, that looks just so good and it's very frantic it's very frenetic and really just a really fast-paced scene um and then the shot of them firing back and forth at each other as it pans across the hotel really gives you a sense for what that set actually looked like um there in person because the filming of it uh looked a little different I think it was just seeing it in motion instead of being static mm-hmm. really gives you a feel for like, oh, this is a real like building, space. a real space yeah. that they were in filming all of this. Um, and then just the whole, the the chase to get the painting back. And then the just a very quick reveal of, all right, we found the other will. Yeah. It's all done. And then um, wraps everything up in a bow. Um, I felt very satisfied with that ending to the movie. Mm-hmm. Um and they honestly could have ended it there uh, without the last bits that they did of wrapping up the four other right. layers to the story. Um, to touch on, you know, you talked about how much you like the physical set. 
Um, another scene that shows that really well is when they come to arrest him and he just pauses and runs <laughs> and he runs away did. from it. And he just runs yeah. away. And that's a Wes Anderson call out. Yeah. They yeah. do that in uh, Life Aquatic and I'm pretty sure they do it in Darjeeling too. They do. Yes, they do. Uh-huh. Um, and they do it in, they do it in Tenenbaums, I think. Or the main, they're having a conversation and the main character says something and they run away and everybody has a couple of beats that they realize, is mm-hmm. he running yes. away? And then, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I like that hallmark of, um, of a Wes Anderson movie. So you're saying that show is more of a set? Yeah, because, you know, you can see him run, you see him actually run back into the hotel and up the stairs. Mm-hmm. And, I, yeah. I think, I mean, we keep touching on it, like, set effects, cinematography, this was like peak Wes Anderson. Right. Like, this is, it feels like it's the movie he's always wanted to make. It's the culmination. Yeah. Which yeah. seems... I'm sure there can be there can be other great things that he can do. But yes. yeah, when someone says, "What's a Wes Anderson movie?" This is probably the first one I would mm-hmm. show them. This this to me, like, did you ever see that um, the SNL thing that was like the Wes Anderson horror movie? Yes. Yes. This but I'm felt have to, you have to remind me. This felt exactly like that. Um, like they called out the hallmarks of Wes Anderson so well in that sketch. Um, that like you watch this and they're like, oh yeah, there's every single thing they pointed out, <laughs> and it's it's just the pure culmination of every movie he's made. Yeah, was Moonrise Kingdom after this or before, before this? Um, really? Yeah. So Moonrise Kingdom came out before this. Okay. Um, Moonrise Kingdom one is I think is really under. So that's one I lived with. I lived with David when I watched that mm-hmm. movie, um, but I think you came down and watched it with. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I started so. I started this movie sitting by myself in my living room. Uh, Moonrise Kingdom, not Grand Budapest Hotel. But I started it sitting, uh, just sitting in my living room, and my door was unlocked, and like people would come in and out because I lived in a uh, complex with a lot of my friends, and they would just stop in and see what was going on. By the end of that movie, there were ten people in my living room, just like. Half of the people are standing, and we're all just watching Moonrise Kingdom. <laughs> um, so that it's a really, mesmerizing. It is like it's the much more like real world like openness of Wes Anderson cinematography because he has either this confined like set that's all very symmetrical, or um, he finds ways to do that in like an open natural. Uh, environment like he does in Moonrise Kingdom, like he does in Darjeeling. Darjeeling um, parts of life aquatic um so that's i like that a lot and i've kind of lost my train of thought same cool all right so letdown scenes yes um we already talked about the yeah skiing. yeah the mine was, was the mine. skiing yeah um, did you have one it was different. i i didn't really um i thought the um uh, the skiing thing was fine but i didn't really have anything i thought that there were some end scenes that took a really long time there was one that was like really on the edge for me because like i part of it i really liked and part of it i wasn't really sure i liked which is right when they get out of the prison where they're talking for so long i liked that like I, i laughed at it and then later i thought of what scenes in the movie dragged and that was one of them for me so it wasn't a letdown scene but uh part of why it was funny was also part of what dragged it? What made it frustrating? It's yeah. it's yeah. like it's why is Rod falling down the mountain for five minutes funny and hot Rod uh, like things like that just those things that yeah. go on for so long. Well, and that's what I'm like. That's another thing we'll get to of of who is this for. There are so many moments in this movie 
where people are going to be like, oh, I hated that about the movie, and mm-hmm. that's the reason why someone else really liked yeah. it. Yeah. Which is, Which is just of, Wes Anderson summed yeah. up. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Um, Domino Gleason Award. I I went with Willem Dafoe because yeah. I didn't think he got enough dialogue. I think they really missed an opportunity because, you know, he's so good at playing a crazy person. Yeah. That, I mean, they, I, I just feel like they missed out on a lot of stuff he could have said. I him. had a lot of fun with his physicality, though. Yeah. Um, like when he would be like ripping open his uh, shirt. Uh, like, oh, for his flask? Yeah, yeah, for his flask. And it had, like, you could hear, like, all eight buttons going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there, I, I can agree with that. If we're doing, um, so, Don Hogleason, we're doing people who we wish would have been the movie more. Right. Yes. Right? Okay, so not people who did a good job with the limited time that they had. It could be both. Like, and that could be the reason we want more. So, um, I'm such a sucker for Gold Blue. Yeah. yeah. See, that's what yeah. I thought, but then I was like... I'm not sure. I'm not sure what he would have done. If like he would have been, mm-hmm. it would have changed the character for him to be in it more. I yeah. couldn't decide if he was in it enough to not right. give him the Gleason Award because he was right on the line. Yeah. Of, is he in it enough versus is right. he? I, um, I do wish I had more of of him. Just I wish some of his conversations had been longer with mm-hmm. people. That's that's where I think they really could use him. I loved the chase scene though, like through the museum. Yes, like Jeff Goldblum just running through a museum. It's just a funny visual. Yes, um, imagine the noises he's making while oh, he's yeah. doing that. Huh. Ah, ah. Like when he oh, like oh, yeah, like when he spots like the employees only entrance or whatever. He's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's. I want to take that scene and then just like recut the video of him wandering around a grocery store. And just yeah. finding things. Uh, I want to. Uh, <laughs> oh, look at this. Um, the only other. So, everybody else who's in this movie that I like that had really small parts is they have small parts for a reason. Mm-hmm. So, Harvey Keitel, who's the tattooed guy in the uh-huh. prison, couldn't have had more time because, yeah. you know. Uh, Owen Wilson. Yeah, I thought like the, like the group of the cross keys. Cross keys. I, I thought that like that was fine. Uh, we had just enough Bill Murray. Yeah. I want so I'll let you finish yours. Though. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think my pick is going to be Goldblum or Willem Dafoe. But honestly, I don't know what you would have done in this movie to uh-huh. give them more time that would have taken it away from the story. Yeah, um, and that's that's kind of the thing. He like he crafted this movie so precisely, yeah, purposefully. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's hard to it's hard to want more of what was done. Like, just very. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, I I wish we had gotten a little more Owen Wilson, um, and not necessarily Owen Wilson doing much, but I. And this comes from me. That very first scene when they roll up to the Grand Budapest, you couldn't tell for sure, but he looked like the person sitting out front with the dog. Um, and I wanted what I really want. I just want Owen Wilson in the background of a lot of these shots. Because I think that would just be... as an unimportant extra? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that would add... I don't know why, but I, fu- I feel like that would be really funny. Just having him in the background of shots. He doesn't even have to have... But not the on. same role. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like he's like he's one of the monks, or he's mm-hmm. part of the kitchen staff. And like... So he, this, and then, is like this is like Eddie Murphy. Yeah, Eddie then this, Murphy well, then this just like, turns into I Spy Owen Wilson. Yes. Oh, no. But, I mean, I don't know. I just... 
I was reaching for things mm-hmm, because yeah. of the way this movie was set up. Yeah, yeah, everyone's in a specific place for a reason. Well, it's it's funny. So we talked about the ensemble part of this movie. Like, Cersei Ronan is, like, the 10th most famous person in this mm-hmm. movie. And, like, she's, you know, in her own right, a movie star by this point. Which yeah. was, you know, I know it was four years ago, but she's been in Brooklyn and Lady Bird and... Um, like all these other mm-hmm. movies where she's the star and she's getting Oscar noms and stuff like that. And it's funny to see a movie four years ago where, yeah, she has a big role, but again, she's like, doesn't receive top mm-hmm. billing in this movie at all. Yeah, is, all is kind of it. a bit part. Yeah, yeah. With the Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> it's so big. Mm-hmm. If they would have made it like a little bit smaller, I think it could have passed off as a birthmark, but it's mm-hmm. like... I think part of the reason they did this, though, because this this is my experience with that. It, I was like, "That's what does that look like? Like, what is that shape? And then later they say, they say, they say it's birthmark the shape of Mexico. I'm like, yep, okay, <laughs> there it is. Um, do we have the recast wheel ready? Oh, I can. Oh, God, this, I didn't even think Get about that. I know, this is so hard. This it one is, is difficult. can you recast a Wes Anderson movie? You just shuffle them, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. Okay, let's see if it saved my last wheel that we had created. I'm not sure if it did, so we're going to have to... I don't know if there's like a login for this or what. <laughs> um, so so we'll, we'll uh, create a new wheel as we're kind of talking through this. So just as a reminder, the recast wheel is um, where we basically go through and have to recast the, the movie with people from specific universes... So we've got It's Always Sunny, uh, we've got Parks and Rec, we've got people from the Seinfeld, Seinfeld universe, which yeah. would be actually kind of a funny recast. Uh, NBA players. <laughs> we've got NBA players, we've got rappers, we've got Dealer's Choice. Um, and then we have Movie Swap. And we have mm-hmm. Movie Swap. So I'll tell you what, for this one, we will let Riley do the wheel, um, so that if we do a dealer's choice, then you get to pick which, which movie that we're doing. Right. So turn up the volume. Pump and then... up the jam. Pump it up. Oh. Oh, that's too bad. It did not make the sound. Hold on. It's because it wanted me to make let's the try sound. It again. Yeah. <laughs> let's do it one more time. Movie swap. Okay. You cannot pick another Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> okay. Good caveat. You have to do it with a different movie. <sighs> okay. We'll just edit this dead space out while we're all thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you technically were the one that clicked it, so you have to pick the movie. Let's do it like that. Oh, okay. Let's do it like that. See, so I thought we were each picking yeah, our, our own movie. Oh, we all pick our own That's movie. That's what we did last time. Because uh, okay. we, we had movie swap for How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Oh, Highly professional right. organization. You're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. Oh, man. Okay. I think I'm ready for mine. Okay. But I don't know where I'm casting who. I'm just I, I'm just trying to get an ensemble cast that would also fit in. So I'm gonna go with like the uh, the like the Judd Apatow like Freaks and Geeks crew. Okay. Um, so we'll do. Let's see what movie we'll do. This is the end. So I get the most of them. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. So Gustav is played by. I'm going to say James Franco. Yeah, because James Franco would totally do old ladies. So oh, yeah. There we go. Uh, Zero played by, I'm going to say Michael Sarah. Okay. Um, let's see, who else can I'm I just put? imagining James Franco belittling Michael Sarah. <laughs> um, 
Let's see here. You I'm could really to do the... Jonah Hill and have it be just Super Bad Super Part Bad. Two. Yeah, <laughs> Super Bad by Wes Anderson. <laughs> I would watch that. that actually I would, would watch really the great. shit out of that. I would really watch um, that. Let's see. Who else can I put in there? Um, as Adrian Brody's character, um, Danny McBride, um, Jeff Goldblum. Oh, man, I hate to just take Jeff Goldblum out of the movie. <laughs> uh, Seth Rogen. <laughs> I think that would be a good as swap. As the lawyer? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um Let's see. This is the, I gotta think that this is the end. I gotta fit in Craig Robinson somehow. But see, then there's like I can fit in everyone else as the cross keys. And, uh-huh. um, oh, the Edward Norton role could be. Let's see. I still have Jonah Hill too. What's, his, what's the guy's name? Right Jay Bearshell. Yeah, there we go. Oh, there we go. That'd I'm, I'm looking at. She's out of my league over yeah. there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then I don't know. There's just so. There's almost too many people, and this is the end uh-huh. to put in. So, but yeah, that'd be mine. You can the hotel roles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fit in, you know, like Bill Murray can be Craig Robinson and Owen Wilson can be, I don't know, yeah, Joan Hill. I've, I've got mine. Um, and I am going to say Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Oh my, oh my gosh. God. <laughs> because. Please tell me you're making Qui-Gon and Gustav. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, Just a Le- proper Qui-Gon Jinn. Liam Neeson as uh, Qui-Gon Jinn <laughs> will be... <laughs> oh my god. Will be Gustav. And Wait, he'll... long hair? Long hair too? Or yes, but it's going to be like a ponytail. It's going to be braided. Oh. <laughs> very professional. Yes, he's going to have a uh, very long braid. Um, obviously, <laughs> Zero is going to be Anakin. Oh my the, gosh. The little kid whose life was ruined for playing Anakin. Um, he is going to be zero, and he will still have the drawn-on mustache. Oh my god! <laughs> um, Ewan McGregor is going to be the Adrian Brody role. Okay. Um, oh man. Ray Park, uh, the man behind the paint of Darth Maul. Behind the behind the Darth Maul bathrobe. Yes, oh a god. peek behind the Darth Maul robe. Um, he will be the uh, Willem Dafoe character. Oh yeah, yeah. that's one I should have filled. Um, cause he can be very, like, a lot of physical acting and a lot of facial acting. Fun fact, was also Toad in X-Men. Um, well, that really threw you off there. That took you... It took me out. train of thought. (laughs) Uh, Padme will be Agatha. Okay. Um... What about, you got, like, Jar Jar? Jar Jar. Jar Jar will be the Jeff Goldblum role. Oh my god. Jesus Christ. Um, well, he does go on to be like a senator. Yeah, so. exactly. Uh, he's going to, yeah, he's going to be in charge of the will. Don't and forget everything. the uh, very racist separatists. Oh, yeah, very racist separatists are all going to just be the Nazis that invade the yep. hotel. Okay. Um, Boss Nass will be the old lady that dies. Okay. Because reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Liam Neeson is going to get very intimate with Boss Nass. Oh my god. This is, this I have going be, on. So I have hard. to be done. I have oh to be done. Oh my gosh! <laughs> now um, I'm just picturing like a Wes Anderson movie handling midi chlorians. <laughs> hey, what are these things in my body? Midi chlorians. Oh, okay. Does that mean I'm a Jedi? Yes. <laughs> that was him running away because it's a Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I picked. <laughs> Hold on. Just before you. Get... The perfect Wes Anderson shot for that would be when 
Darth Maul open, like, reveals behind <laughs> the doors, and Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan are like, they just stand there and then turn and run. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, also, in the terrible sledding scene, we would have Zero shout, this is pod racing. Yes. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. That's it. Okay. So, I picked the the replacement for this for a very specific dynamic. So, I picked uh, Lord of the Rings. Mm. Uh, it, I'm just going to pick the cast. I'm not going to pick a specific movie. Okay. But the reason that I'm picking it is because I really want the dynamic of Ray Fiennes and Zero's character to be Gandalf and Peregrine took. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so Billy Boyd as... No, as Pippin. Wait, wait. No, Peregrine... Yeah, took Perry or Mary. Mary and Pippin. Mary Pippin's Pippin. the dope. So what, who's the one that um, got the the eye and looked at it Pippin. inappropriately? <laughs> okay. <laughs> the whispering eye. <laughs> He looked in the side. I know. Stop. We have to stop. Pippin, that was inappropriate. (laughs) Sorry, see us now. We don't do that, Pippin. (laughs) Pippin. (laughs) (laughs) No, so I want that. Damn little hobbits. Where he says full of a took is basically the relationship that we want to be. So um, we're going to have Ian McKellen be uh, Mr. Gustav. Um... I think I'm going to recast... So there's a couple of people that I think could be really good. So, Sean Bean, still the bad guy. So he's going to be the homophobic with the... Oh, yeah. Adrian Bodie's character. Uh, I'm going to make... Um, I'm going to make Viggo Morgenstein um, the Willem Dafoe It's actually character. Viggo Morgenstein's monster. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm going to make... Uh, uh, Vigo's video, whatever the hell's name is. Vigo. Uh, we're gonna make him the. That's not the part you pronounced wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what is it, Morganston? <laughs> no, 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 I know, I know, I said his last name wrong. I know I said it, Morganstein. What's the way they actually say it? Hey, it's Vigo Morganstein. <laughs> hey, Vigo Morganstein. <laughs> Tell me how to say it. I'm right. walking here. <laughs> Just tell me how to say it right. Vigo Mortensen. <laughs> no, it's not. Mortensen. Oh, I have to pull it up. There's no T in the end. Vigo, Mor- Vigo Mortensen sea salt. Oh, yep. Yep. It's Mortensen. <laughs> I said <laughs> Mortensen. <laughs> there's an R and a G and a Stein and a thing. Okay, alright, alright, alright. Um... So I'm gonna make um wait, so what have I what have so I So we still have you still have like Jeff Goldblum. Uh um, Gimli. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so you still need to cast Legolas you still have the rest of the Hobbits, Legolas. Hmm. Legolas is Agatha. Yes. <laughs> so it's Pippin and Legolas <laughs> trying to escape. I wrote a fanfic about that. <laughs> Uh, I have to cast Sam somewhere, but I don't really know where. Um, what's another role that we haven't filled? You could make the three other hobbits part of the uh, jail crew. I haven't given Elijah Wood a role yet. That <laughs> seems yeah. Elijah Wood is is Elijah Wood is Harvey Keitel. Yeah, he's that character. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think like so. Frodo, Sam, and Mary. 
the three other hobbits are the, the inmates. Sisters. No, they're the sisters. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Alright, I think I'm done. I think I'm done. <laughs> All right, we're, we're so. <laughs> that's a real New York ring to rule the wall. <laughs> I had no Get idea. Get me pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Get me pictures of Sauron. <laughs> I have been saying Morgenstein for years. <laughs> Oh no! Oh man! Okay, okay. Uh, ratings. Yeah, Riley, what'd you rate this? Um, I'm, I'm pretty much right on with the critics and the cast. I'd say like eight and a half, nine. Okay. Maybe eight point seven five three. We when we said decimals, we really got to limit it to two. We're gonna yeah, do, we got to do money decimals. Okay, well. Never. <laughs> so are we rounding up or down in those decimals? Uh, like to the hundredth, to the tenth. To the tenth. Hold well, on, uh, I need to get my little blocks out that show me how many go into a hundred. <laughs> Five groups of twenty. One, two. Oh my god! All I'm right, derailed. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> Jeff counting to a hundred. <laughs> I will give it a seven, which is a little lower, but um, that's because I was watching this and it is it's very good. It's very well put together. Um, but there were so many times that I thought like this, this had a lot of the good, like the good Wes Anderson cinematography, Mm -hmm. but so much of when I was watching it, I was like, I really just want to be watching life aquatic right now. Interesting. So it's really good. Would you say that that's your favorite Wes Anderson movie then? It's a tie between that and Tenenbaum. So I want, so I'm wondering just like watching that style just makes you want to watch it because you and enjoy I think, it more. And I think that um, is part of it. Um, it deserves probably an eight and a half or nine. Um, I'm giving it a seven. I'll bump it seven and a half. It gets a seven and a half for me. Okay. Um, just because like there are so many more Wes Anderson movies that I would, uh, I would rather watch. And not because this is not to the detriment of this one, just because, like we were talking about earlier, some of his stuff is so niche that when you have what you really like in one of his movies, that's what you really, really like and really mm-hmm. latch on to. Yeah. Um, well, you can have better and you can have favorite. Yeah. They, this is a better movie than probably most of his other movies, but it is not my favorite. Yep. There you go. Um,. Who's this movie for? Well, Jeff, I'd like to hear your rating also. Oh, oh yeah! <laughs> uh, mine's been removed it's because started... I, mine's been removed because I pronounced it <laughs> because of Morgan Stein. Jeff you, can't handle it. I no, thought I said, you gave it a nine. Uh, I think mine. I think I'm between an eight and a nine. Okay. Because um, I was gonna say I could have sworn you rated it. Uh, well, I probably said mine during what I was saying. Oh, okay. I, I a lot of crosstalk. Very good radio. Uh, so I think I'm gonna give it an eight, and the reason I gave it an eight is. When I first saw this movie, I would have given it a nine, uh-huh. um, and I think it's it's definitely aged well. It's definitely Wes Anderson's best movie, in my opinion. Is it my favorite? I'm probably with you there mm-hmm. on this is equal for me on Life Aquatic, um, but I did think that the this time when I watched it, um, it I feel like it telegraphs a lot of stuff. Yes, and so like you could this is a movie for me now that if it was on cable or something like that i could watch half of it and i wouldn't feel like i need to watch the rest of it mm-hmm. or there are other movies that are my favorite or that i really really like 
where I'm like, even though I've seen this a thousand times, I really want to see the end of it, or I want to see where this goes. And I think for me, the end is not necessarily the peak of this movie. Like, I think I like the first part of this movie or the middle of this movie better than I like the end of it. Mm-hmm. And so, I, at the end, I'm just kind of like, I don't really necessarily Let's care. Wrap it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get very much like that. So, that's where I feel, that's what keeps me from And that's kind of how I felt uh, about it as well. Um, and I, as you were saying that, I kind of realized part of why I think I like some of the others more. Um, this is a very closed in. Um, whereas Life Aquatic, you have a lot more big open shots that Wes Anderson can also do really well with. Mm-hmm. Yep. So now we've got uh, who this movie is for. We have not been saying the title of our podcast in this segment. The, who, who the, the hell, hell is, is this, this for? for? Yeah, we really got to swear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got to earn that explicit content rating. Right. All right, so I, got, I have a couple of thoughts on this. So we could probably skip past, if you're a Wes Anderson film, yeah, friends, like fan, you're yeah. going to like it. So I was trying to think of outside of Anderson. I mean, I could, I just couldn't. What would you like? So I thought of two things. Or I thought of three things. I, I won't say them all to try to not get it. But um, so if you like quirky movies, there's mm-hmm. a, a quirky genre that you could go into. So something like that could be like Juno. If you really like yeah. the movie Juno, it's quirky for different reasons, but it's got like the indie music to it. It's got like the stilted dialogue, but it's like. Teen stilted dialogue kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I my other comp for this is specifically for this movie, not necessarily full Wes Anderson, but specifically for this movie. Um, this movie has major beats that you can also find in Fargo, yeah, uh, the the Coen Brothers movie. Um, in that, there's a ton of action and darkness um, in this movie, um, <coughs> but. In um, in Fargo, there's a lot of like quirky dialogue, especially with like the northern, like oh, there's been a murder, like <laughs> <laughs> like that part of Fargo feels in the juxtaposition between the violence mm-hmm. that happens in it and the quirkiness of the town, feels very similar to what's going on in the Wes Anderson stuff. Mm-hmm. You got yours? No, go ahead. Okay, um, I really don't know if I have one. Yeah, so one I'm going to say not necessarily if you like this movie. You're going to like this other movie, but this other movie will be fun to watch from the, because of this movie. And I'm going to say Spider-Man: Homecoming. Really? Because interesting. Well, because Zero is the bully in Spider-Man: yeah, he, Homecoming. Yeah, he's a uh, Penis Parker. He, he, yeah, Flash Thompson. Yeah, he yeah. calls him Penis Parker. Yeah, his, his character name is not Penis Parker. <laughs> no, it is. I'm aware. I'm aware his name. I'm not Penis sure Parker. what names you're aware of anymore. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> true. Second of all. <laughs> Tom Hollenstein. <laughs> no, I'm. I was more cringing at the idea that he calls him Penis Parker. Like, yeah, that's the that's, worst that, that, Dude, yeah. that's that's high school bullies, though. Yeah, but be creative, dude. High schoolers aren't creative. We are already an outspoken have anti-teen a, podcast. Have a flair. Have a flair for what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's just it's fun to see him in that bully role. Um, after he's like, uh-huh. he's a very genuine, earnest kind of character in this movie, um, and he's his acting is very different in both of them too. Um, and I'm really excited to see what we get from him going forward. Uh, that's Tony Revolori, uh, is who played both of those roles. Um, and then I'm two going Spider-Man to... actors in this movie then, because Willem Dafoe. Oh yeah, <laughs> in the same movie, but yeah, uh, but Hant dealt with Spider-Man. Spider-Man! Your move, Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Okay, and I will also say The Big Lebowski. Because, Cohen. and Cohen this is because Jeff said Fargo and Coen Brothers, and it made me think. Because <clears throat> Big Lebowski is kind of a quirky, like, crime mm-hmm. movie. It's not necessarily, like, the murder type movie that Fargo it's noir. is. It's yeah. yeah. It's, it's more of this, like, oh, like, somebody lost something and we have to get it back and somebody's been kidnapped. It's, and we have to steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> the Declaration of <laughs> National Church. <laughs> That's going to be the that's going to be the document we write like the pod format on the Declaration of National Treasure. Um, and then I kind of deeper cut um, for uh, more of a mainstream audience, but Suspiria by Dario Argento. It is a '70s horror movie that is very striking um, with its use of sets. The opening scene in Suspiria, the set looks almost identical to the interior set of Grand Budapest Hotel. Really? Um, cause it has a lot of, like, big pillars and arts. See, I got a very, I got a very Shining. Yeah, like the Shining very vibe. similar. Yeah. Um, and Shining and Suspiria are visually, not I wouldn't say similar, but two of those movies that they lend a lot of right. what they do to their sets and to their the way they shoot their scenes. Because gotcha. um, Suspiria also has a lot of those... It's very colorful, um, and it has a lot of big open shots with small characters in it, which is, you know, another hallmark of Wes Anderson. Yeah, and I think you, I think you had earlier said earlier, um, this was like a couple weeks ago, that Suspiria would pair really well with Mandy. Yes. Yeah. yeah so I'm, it's interesting that we kind of picked different reasons for why this is for yeah. different people. So you're picking movies that don't necessarily fit the tone or the of visual, movie, mm-hmm. but the, the visual, if you're mm-hmm. impressed by what Wayne what exactly does and uh, Robert Hey Dude, um, <laughs> then you may... <laughs> nice, may call, nice callback. <laughs> <laughs> the listeners want it. <laughs> but no, and it, it kind of goes to what you were saying earlier with when you like something, like, Wes Anderson does things that you're either going to like, that somebody else hates, or you hate and somebody else likes. So you pick out those very specific things, and for the people that like Wes Anderson movies for those things, um, that's kind of where I went with my recommendations. I have one more pick. Okay. So it's not anything within the movie, but if you love Ray Fiennes, outside of just seeing him as Voldemort... One of my other favorite... I thought you were just going to suggest the Harry Potter series. <laughs> Little known series. <laughs> Indie films. <laughs> um, no, I was going to suggest... Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen In Bruges. Uh, um, I have not. I need to. So, I I can't say it's my favorite movie, but Ray Fiennes' character in In Bruges is really good. And there's a lot of, like, kind of weird like, really lengthy dialogue to get through a scene, but, like, mm-hmm. it's done on purpose, and Ray Fine's character in that is... I really want you to see it until we're okay. of just his character. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to do that. Very different than Gustav. Okay. You able to come up with anything? No, I just kind of... You said The Shining. That's yeah, I just, kinda, okay. I just kind of put in my input on you guys, yeah. so... <laughs> All right. Um, so, next... That reminds me. Next week, uh, Jeff and I are going to be out of town. We're going to be at ACL... So um, I have full control of the podcast. <laughs> I'm sending the mic home with Riley, and he's just going to sit and talk. I am going to talk to you guys for an hour straight about whatever comes into my mind. Riley is going to live tweet the uh, C- the Seahawks game and just <laughs> he's going to live tweet, live tweet and also talk. I might just give live a live, com- yeah, I might just live commentary to the Seahawks game. 
<laughs> oh my god, yes. Um, but yeah, so we will be gone next week, so there will not be a new episode. However, we will be putting out a poll um, here soon of four horror movies. Uh, getting a little spooky, getting into the month of October. Um, you can see all these fantastic rain effects I've added in the background um, <laughs> that are definitely not just the windows in my room being battered with rain and definitely interfering with the recording. I really wish I had some metal to do the thunder <laughs> noise. <laughs> Was that thunder? I think it's thundering. <laughs> it's a good thing we're doing horror movies. <laughs> all right, um, but we will get, I believe, producer Catherine has our list of horror movies. Which was... Do we remember what yes, those were? Yes, it was Scream. Scream? Blair Witch, the original. Mm-hmm. Um, it was... Is there more than one Blair Witch? Uh, yes. Yeah, they remade it, I believe. Oh, There's right. also a sequel. <coughs> yeah, what? It's Book of, uh, Book of Shadows <coughs> of Blair Witch 2. Not Blair Witch 2, Book of Shadows. Or Book of Secrets. Oh my god. Alright. So Scream, Blair Witch, The Descent, The Descent, and The Shining. Okay. So, um... Our horror, our horror, 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 poll, horrorstein, horrorstein poll is going to be <laughs> The Descent, Scream, The Shining, and Blair Witch. Um, so be looking out for that here in the next few days. Um, tell us what you guys think. And remember, if you want, you can go ahead and leave us a review. Um, send a screenshot of that review. Even if you just leave a comment on SoundCloud. Um, anything like that, even if you just rate the pod on iTunes, you screenshot that and you send it our way, uh, we'll review a movie of your choice. Have we checked them lately? Um, this, check- is, not, this is not a setup for another <laughs> fake review. Um, checked earlier and I did not see any new ones. Right. Can you rate it on Stitcher? Um, I believe you can rate it on Stitcher, but Stitcher is impossible to use. We're... We're not sponsored, now so we can shit talk them. <laughs> I was gonna say now that we're just now that we're on iTunes and mm-hmm. SoundCloud, you can find us. Yeah, you can find us. Um, if if it would work better for people, we may also look into Spotify, but I know that one is hell to try and get approved for, um, and it takes forever. Um, after our horror movie episode, we will be having a producer Catherine curated poll of Halloween themed movies for our Halloween episode. Uh, so get excited for that as well. Uh, as always, you guys, this has been Who the Hell is This For? Thank you for listening.